0: Welcome to the Locked On Lakers podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Head on over to builtbar.com. Use promo code On, Save 10 bucks off your first order. Uh, today's guest, as per usual, three days a week, we have Pete. Zayas, Pete. Today's stupid hypothetical question of the day is, you have your choice of any superpower. Which one are you going with? I would love to fly. Me too. I mean, yeah. it, it was kinda, I came kind of close when I was able to dunk, you know, but, you know, I guess it's... <laughs> But I guess for those for those who weren't as fortunate and as athletic as I was.
1: As you were, yeah. The rest of us have to dream.
0: Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's usually the go-to. Um, I, it would be fun to just be, like, the smartest person in the world. Mm. But I don't know if I would want anybody to know about my superpower. Would you want people to know that you could fly? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be quite the flex, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> You just have like a bunch of t shirts of every color and say I can fly.
1: <laughs> oh, I wouldn't need the t-shirt, baby. I'd
0: be <laughs>
1: you I'd would be never walk. I, I would never lose an argument, you know, but it'd be like, yes, you make a good point. However, I can
0: fly. <laughs> See, that's how I used to talk in high school. I was able to just say like <laughs> <laughs> um actually technically that wasn't in high school. That was a couple of years after. But anywho. Uh, Today's show, we have plenty of stuff lined up for you. The uh, governor of California, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, announced that uh, sporting events may begin to move forward, uh, albeit without fans, starting the first week of June. The Lakers are back in their practice facility, uh, and the MJ quote-unquote documentary wrapped up. So there's a ton of stuff to get to. Let's start with the Lakers news of the day. It's funny. It's funny. I'm seeing a lot of pushback on this. And one of the things that I kind of talked about, because this was asked about in the mailbag uh, in yesterday's show, one of the things that, you know, because the the, the pushback on the preferential treatment that uh, pro sports are getting, right? Mm -hmm. And um, actually, John Oliver touched on this in his show yesterday, last night. And apparently, since pro sports and, and even college sports have gone away, upwards of $12 billion uh, has been lost over this time, you know revenue that could have been generated but hasn 't been, uh, and then obviously thousands of people have lost their jobs as a result. and the way I kind of look at it is, yes, in if you just look at it as are these people more important than everybody else, you know as per the definition of preferential treatment, um, then yeah, it 's probably not the best look that it looks like professional professional sports. Are getting this preferential treatment. But if you look at it from the standpoint of a lot of these ailing cities and ailing states need that revenue back and, you know, they they need that revenue stream back. And there are a lot of people who make their living off of uh, professional sports that aren't just the athletes, right? There are a ton of people who, you know, need this back, not just from the standpoint of we need the entertainment back in our lives. So that is also important. And you know the, the the pushback. I understand it. I, I I get where people are coming from when they say why are why is there such a focus on sports nowadays uh, when thousands of you know hundreds of thousands of people are still sick. We're going up. You know we're going to hit probably maybe by the end of the week a hundred thousand people uh, in the country that have died. You know I understand where people are coming from when they say hey we uh, why why is this such a priority? But it you know. I, I'm trying to, to, to go as far as I can in answering that. Where, have you noticed that same pushback? And, and uh, where do you stand on it? I I have not heard much of that pushback myself. Um, I, I get where they're coming
1: from. I think that sports with no fans especially are probably one of the most efficient ways to generate revenue in terms yeah. of how many people it takes to like how many people have to be exposed vis-a-vis the amount of revenue that it Mm -hmm. generates. Uh, these are kind of cold-blooded questions, right? And and we touched on this last week of like, you know, how much money is one life worth, right? How many, how much money is the risk of, of putting people at risk worth? Uh, but NBA basketball players, major league baseball players, football players, uh, the, the amount of people that are, that are exposed, in close contact versus the amount of money that they generate is going to be a lot more than most people going back to work right yeah. um and now is it worth it that's a that's a moral question for everybody to to, to answer, right? yeah, I don't think there but, is a definitive answer there.
0: Like we, we, right. we aren't. If you came here hoping for a definitive answer on what, no, it's, it's, it's not. It, it's not. This is not the yeah. show for that. There, there are plenty Certainly of no. hot takers out there who would say yes, or plenty of hot takers on the other side who would say no. Uh, but, but that's not where. That's not how you and I ride.
1: Yeah, I, I think that if we are going to be trying to return to whatever normal is going to look like going forward, um, you know, having athletes perform against each other and televising that and everything that goes into that uh, I, I think that the risk versus reward is probably higher than most of the other businesses mm-hmm. reopening so uh, the, the that doesn't make the argument invalid that you know why do sports get preferential treatment why is it less of a risk but i I think that even beyond the money generated there's morale there are other benefits that come with sports that uh, you know, we've all rallied around a Michael Jordan documentary about <laughs> basketball from 22 years ago, and and even beyond. So, uh, I, I think there's a stronger case for sports to be brought back than most, just considering the risk versus reward.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. It's probably the the best argument for it, right? The argument the argument against it is similarly strong, right? What if a player gets sick? What if a player uh, doesn't get sick or, or gets sick, doesn't show any symptoms, and then passes it on to somebody else, right? What if one mm-hmm. of the coaches mm-hmm. gets sick? And you, know, you have plenty of coaches who are you know, older than older. 65 mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know the, 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 the argument for bringing back sports and against bringing back sports are the kind of thing where there isn't really a winner in that discussion. You know, um, I I, and I and and also, you know, from the from the standpoint of, you know, these businesses and that's what the NBA is. That's what MLB is. That's what the NFL is. um, From the standpoint of these businesses, I also can't really hold it against them for doing whatever they can to try to get back on their feet, given how little support businesses throughout the country have received from the federal government you know mm-hmm. the 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 PPP thing, even Mark Cuban you know kind of went at uh, the the pay, paycheck paycheck protection what was it? paycheck plan, I think it was mm-hmm. um and and uh you know, and he was saying that you know it didn't go far enough for a lot of these businesses and and you know now as a result, you have a whole bunch of people who are now unemployed, and he went so far as to offer a way to now employ those people. Um, you know, I, I think in this case for the NBA and everywhere else, if there, if you're an ailing business and you are concerned about putting money on the table for you and your family, I can't really hold it against you. If, if you, if you start, uh, you know, if you, if you start looking at the risk as, you know, not as, not as important to you as the reward of paying rent. Or paying your car payment, you know, whatever, feeding your family. Uh, I can't really hold it against anybody who, you know, are, are now faced with that dilemma. And while obviously nobody, you know, nobody really thinks of professional athletes or anybody associated with professional sports as people who are struggling to put food on the table. Uh, there are, however, you know, if you look beyond the the athletes, beyond the coaches, even beyond the executives there are people who work the, the arenas there are people there are um, scouts in the nba you have you know lower lower level uh, team employees that the tv you stations know, like yeah, people with TV, tv jobs stations, all over, yeah. you, you know you have any number of people whose lives, and and look, I, this is where I have to cop to my own bias, right? I, I have to say that, yeah, my life has been affected by this. So I have to, you know, that for has sure. to be mentioned at the, you know, as a part of this conversation uh, in in saying that, yeah, there are a lot of people who are looking at the risk here. And now, you know, maybe the valid counterpoint to, to you know, us looking at the risk is, well, is it really fair for us to comment on risk that the players and coaches are
1: Right. Yeah. We're not incurring any risk at all. <laughs> we're
0: still going to be podcasting from the comfort of our own homes and, right. and all
1: that. so easy for us to say for sure.
0: Right. Right. So, you know, but you know, at the end of the day, if the players and the coaches and everybody involved here say that they're okay with it and if the leagues push forward in an intelligent manner, taking every single, uh, you mitigating against that risk as much as they possibly can. Now there is not going to be a perfect solution here, but if, if, like I said, if there are players who are uncomfortable also, can they not, you know, can they, can they not partake in this? Can they not put themselves at risk? And, and is there a a plan in place to still take care of those athletes who aren't, you know, willing to risk their lives for our entertainment? Uh, You know, I I think so long as all of those boxes get checked, this is the right way to move forward. Um, I want to take a quick second here because the timeline on this is really interesting to me too. And I think it's worth taking note of. So let's take a quick second, pay a couple bills when we come back. uh, We'll talk about that. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Uh, just like every other show this this month, Built Bar has thrown their weight behind us, and uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that we continue to throw our weight behind them. Uh, head on over to builtbar.com. Use promo code Locked On to save ten dollars off your first order, uh, and then spread the word. Tell everybody who eats protein bars, which is just about everybody at this point. Uh, you know, if, whether it's to, you know. Supplant a meal every so often, whether it's to uh, cut weight, whether it's to remain at that normal weight that you're looking for. Uh, Built bar is is the best way to go about that if you're looking to include protein bars in your diet. Uh, and and again, the thing that I just keep coming back to, they taste amazing. There is just no other bar that I've ever had, uh, and I've had a lot of them. Uh, whether it's Cliff, Tiger's Milk, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, I've 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 tried plenty of protein bars uh, in my time as an athlete previously, and nothing comes close to what Built Bar has offered uh, in terms, both in terms of flavors and what those flavors actually taste like. There's nothing worse than saying like, oh yeah, that 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 sounds like a flavor I might like, and then chewing biting into it and woof, you know, <laughs> so. Uh, Again, head on over to to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, save 10 bucks off that first order, and then spread the word to everybody you know who might enjoy protein bars. When we got the news from uh, Newsom and then other states, you know, Texas made an announcement too. Uh, that, that uh, professional sports can resume out here as well. Um, and then, you know, that we're going to start seeing some of those announcements throughout the country uh, start to roll in as well. But it, it kind of struck me because it, it has been to a certain extent, I don't want to say frustrating because I understand it, but for lack of a better term, it's been somewhat frustrating to be this far into the hiatus and not really have any understanding of what the timeline to return might be what the timeline to make a decision might even be and it really kind of struck me now that we got this stuff from from Gavin Newsom and uh you know from from uh I believe his name out here is Abbott or something like that Abbott mm-hmm. Abbott yeah, yeah there you Abbott. go yeah um so you know now that we're starting to learn more from from the the states who are putting these uh policies in place It kind of makes sense that the NBA and even MLB, even while they were trying to put together a plan to potentially return, it kind of makes sense that the the NBA, for the sake of what we cover, was kind of holding off on on throwing out a timeline out there because it's kind of moot to throw a timeline out there until you know when the states would actually allow teams to be able to compete. 100%. And there's so much unknown about
1: this that even in the implementation of their plans one of the most important components of that is that it's flexible that we are not at the end of the oh shit that popped up (laughs) window of this it's going to continue to be there's there's likely to be a a second wave in the fall right that's what the that's what Mm -hmm. the scientists are saying that and that time it's going to coincide with flu season Mm -hmm. which wasn't the case this time around right how are they going to be able to navigate that like you said what happens if somebody gets uh If somebody gets diagnosed, if a player gets diagnosed, you got to there's no way you can do this without agreeing beforehand. Like, hey, we got to continue going forward because that's likely going to happen or don't do it at all. right? But you have to go into it knowing that that's a distinct possibility Uh, in terms of the state by state regulations and and the, the loosening of restrictions and all of that. Yeah. The the one thing that they had going for them is time. Mm -hmm. so it was certainly wise to not put too much out there in terms of like we don't know what's their end date right when did they decide we have to make a decision by this point we've heard some speculation at that on that point but we don't know where it's going to be we don't know how long it's going to be are there going to be regular season games how long is training camp going to be there's speculation on all of these elements of it but like you said a big part of that is the state and, to a lesser extent, federal regulations being lifted, and uh, and just figuring out what a new normal looks like. So, yeah. really, I I'm not ready to give the NBA credit. They have not done anything that I think is like, wow, that's really really good how they handled mm-hmm. that. Um, but I at least they have not screwed anything up yet. In yeah, what are like like I mean, what are you base this idol.
0: comparison? Yeah, no, it is. It is. You you look at you look at baseball. Right. And while the while the NBA appears to be working together and then working with epidemiologists and now working with politicians that that discord or there hasn't been any discord. There's been open discussion, open and productive discussion, it seems like between everybody involved, whereas you look at baseball and I don't like, you know, for for. I, I consider myself a baseball fan. I consider the, the 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 way that they're handling uh the uh revenue sharing, you know, between them, the the, the split between players and owners and that discussion and all that, like I <laughs> I can't think of anything much more tone deaf than than what's going on uh in baseball, right? And uh, you know, I, I always tend to side with players on, on this front. Uh I, I do think that Tampa Bay pitcher handled it about as poorly as you possibly could, you know, where, where he, you know, mentioned me a whole lot more than, than us and we and stuff like that. And that's the point of a player's union is to, is to could talk about the, uh, the collective body of players and employees in that case. Uh, but, you know, you look at the NBA and how they're handling it. You've had a call between the superstars. You've had uh, multiple calls between Adam Silver and the team's, Uh, And then Adam Silver and the players. One thing that's kind of struck me over the course of, of this whole hiatus and this entire situation has been how they've kind of just slipped in that they now call them the board of governors meetings, right? When, when Adam Silver is meeting with the owners and talking with the owners, they're now, they're now kind of openly calling themselves governors without making a big press release about it. They just said, yeah, we, we have these board of governor meetings and, and, you know, uh, not that that means anything. It's just a weird thing that I noticed. But, but you look at the, the the two leagues and how they're handling it, and there is immense value in not fucking up so far, not pissing Ooh. off the fans who are going through a bunch uh, by saying, you know, millionaires and billionaires are fighting over the money that that they would uh, generate when if and when they return i'm sure there are a lot of people who are you know fans of the dodgers fans of the tampa bay rays whatever who are looking at that like guys Mm -hmm. you guys could have just about any other conversation other than that one (laughs) If you're gonna have that conversation keep that to your damn self and 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 focus on on maintaining safety and and those protocols we don't need to hear about the amount of money that you are or are not willing to to play for um but yeah, I think there's there's real value in how the NBA is handling this. And you know, the real tests are now they're they're gonna start arriving at the NBA's doorstep because now mm-hmm. that now that you know states are are saying, yeah, we might be able to, to, to be you know allow you guys to get back underway uh in June or whatever that's just going to ramp up the amount of pressure that these leagues are going to feel to return. Right. Uh, When, when if, if June comes and goes and there is no basketball uh, even while states have said, Hey, I, you know, you guys are more than welcome to play. If you guys want to resume playing that probably won't go over all that well, you know, not that it should really matter to them what, what we think or what fans think or whatever, but, but those, this is now where they've been able to slide by not fucking up. Now they're going to start to have to make those decisions. And how they handle that, how they handle the discussion around that is going to be fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah, they, they need to have a lot of contingencies in place, right? Where yeah. they they plan for four or five different scenarios. You know, what if... What if California shuts back down amidst the second wave, but other states don't, right? There are all sorts of versions of this that can happen. So they really need to be adaptable and flexible in how they go forward.
0: Yep. All right. Let's take another quick second here. When we come back, we're going to talk about, we're going to wrap up the discussion uh, of this MJ quote unquote documentary. It obviously finished on Sunday. And I felt sad after it finished. I was like, damn (laughs) it. What now? We're back in the void. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we're going to come back and talk about that here in a bit. Was there anything that went uncovered or kind of glossed over that you wish they would have spent more time on?
1: Um, I don't think they did Pippen justice. Yeah. He, he, they covered him. They covered how good he was. Like I always say, look, man, Michael Jordan retired and they replaced him with a dude named Pete Myers and they still won 55 games. Now, you know, imagine LeBron, imagine LeBron joining a 55 win team. Like, a team that would win 55 games without him. Yeah. How many rings would he win, right? How many rings would Kobe win? Right. And, and so... And, and Pippen was the the primary reason for that, with a nod of respect to Phil Jackson within that as well. Scotty Pippen was a bad dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, half that documentary was him being hurt or, you know, like, it being some big moment... Migraine game. Scotty... Where'd Scott Migraine and... <laughs> Yeah, and and the, and his back issues, and well, I mean, a big part of that is because Scotty was responsible for defending the best player. Scotty was def- responsible for getting them into their offense. He was he the year that Jordan retired, the the one full year where they won fifty five games. He was third in MVP voting. He led them in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He's only one of a couple players in NBA history that have ever done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I've always felt that Pippen gets uh is underappreciated and i thought that in in this documentary i don't think that they that they went far enough in
0: really emphasizing how really freaking good scotty pippen was yeah one of the things that i think we're the worst at is valuing the second best player on great teams you Mm. know uh like we saw that relationship like I, i i kind of there, there's always some tweet out there. It's like quote this with your hottest take that you actually kind of believe, and I think to a certain extent, Kobe had he had he not won those championships with Powell would be underrated because he played with Shaq, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you always hear that the 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 stance. Well, Ray Allen could have played with Shaq and they could have won those championships. No, not quite. Rayon no, wasn't no. the defender that, that Kobe was, and was well, he wasn't the on-ball guy. Kobe yeah. had to play both the Pippen and Jordan roles in the triangle offense. Yeah, Phil has uh, even said she, that he said he gave Kobe way more responsibility on the ball than he ever gave Michael. Yeah, Jordan just had to score.
1: Jordan just had to get to his spots where he liked to score, and Pippen would set him up. And if it wasn't Pippen, it would be Tony Coach, who was another big, you know, really good ball handler his size and yeah so that was absolutely the case that you know Kobe had to be the point guard the facilitator he had didn't uh he had you know Shaq was obviously dominant down low he was also in the way like having a guy like that <laughs> who doesn't yeah like like it, it clutters driving lanes right yeah. as much as you get out of him so yeah there's not the, the type of lanes to the basket and so
0: yeah you know Kobe what Kobe had to do in those first three titles was is very much underappreciated, uh, and, and so yeah, I I completely agree with you on on Pippin, and you know the thing again, like they touched on it in the beginning, right? And this is where I, I would this only further makes your point that I think they did Pippin wrong, was that like Pippin had to explain him taking a bad contract, right? And then from that point on, mm-hmm. it was always like, and then Pippin had his shit going on with his contract. It was like. Yeah, he was like immensely underpaid. <laughs> that that right. game when while while they were talking about the uh, the the series between Utah and Chicago, uh, and Pippen is holding his back there. He was doing all that for two point seven million dollars. Two point seven, like obviously inflation and stuff, and there's more money in the league now than that now right now than there was back then but 2.7 million dollars is effing pennies there's nothing uh and and you know that somehow goes that goes you know kind of glossed over uh i look i've you guys know kind of where i stand on this i think both things can be true that i think it can be hugely entertaining and i was hugely entertained throughout we got to find out where the first karen came from like that was great (laughs) that was amazing (laughs) Uh, you know, we, we learned about the food poisoning thing, which... All right, quick, quick... Uh, that story. <laughs> quick, quick if you tutorial. believe that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Michael had his mom lying on national TV. So he... Uh, let me just lay out this hypothetical to you, to you, right? So pretend you're a boss and I call you up and you find out that the night before... I was up late, probably drinking, right? I ordered a pizza late night, took it all down by myself, and then woke up feeling like shit the next morning, right? Mm-hmm. And I call you, I say, hey, man, I don't know if I can come into work or I'm not going to be 100% at work. I have food poisoning. How do you think that goes over? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's okay. If you're hungover, it's okay. You
1: know, it just, the whole, like... <laughs> I loved it. So first off, the idea that so many people were involved in the ordering of this <laughs> Five pizza. Five people ordered the pizza. <laughs> or, or Right. Well, pizza. No, no, that's how many delivered the pizza. Right? I'm yeah. talking about like, he's got like Tim Grover. He's got some other dude on there who's like, oh yeah, so Michael was hungry and the only place is open was this pizza spot. and We found it and we called them up and we were like, hey, we're making a pizza for, we need a pizza for Michael Jordan, who, you know, it'd be really bad if he got food poisoning or something like, like you know, that order the fucking pizza (laughs) leave it to the lobby like pick it up in the lobby of the hotel wherever you're at just the whole the whole story was like really is
0: that really what happened come on from now on anytime i order food and you and i are together i'll be like by the way this food is for pete zayas i just want you to know (laughs) no one's gonna know what that means (laughs) it'd be great oh shit i got a food poison that guy (laughs) <laughs> um, some Celtic <laughs> fan yeah <laughs> but but yeah I that that whole thing anything anyway, that was that was a, a quick detour here I, I I really I really wish Michael would have relinquished a little bit of the creative ab- abilities on this the some of the the narrative building on some of this because it, it's not like and actually it, it kind of perfectly sums up Michael right his approach to everything in that if somebody else gets credit, if Scotty gets any kind of credit, that's now credit that Michael isn't getting. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, if Krauss gets credit, that's credit that Michael isn't getting. For some reason, he doesn't quite feel that way with Phil, it looks like, which I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, when it comes to the same thing with, uh, you know, like Tony Kukoc, like if, if all you know about Tony Kukoc was, was what you learned in that documentary, he was that foreign dude who you know Krauss really liked and michael and scotty hated in the olympics and then that was it he turned into a quote-unquote good teammate according to michael and that was it but like kukoc was the first modern big like he was a stretch, like four stretch. before we, mm-hmm. we, we before we even really conceptualized what that meant and and the advantages that come with playing a guy at that position who opens up the court for somebody like michael who needed to get to the, to the rim as often as he did. And somebody like Scotty who needed to get to the rim as often as he did. Um, You know, I, I I wish, I wish not just from the standpoint of like, you know, him being socially active and the gambling and stuff like that, like that, we always knew they were going to, you know, just kind of talk about really quickly and then, Hey, dunks over here, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but in terms of sharing the credit across that roster, uh, you can't talk about how that's the greatest team that ever existed and then completely gloss over the other reasons why that team was so great. That's, that's where I Again, feel man, let down.
1: 55 wins without him. Imagine LeBron joining it's a 55-win team right now, like the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are really good, right? They're not going to win a title, but they're like a 55-ish win team. Add yeah. LeBron Cl- to that team. Aren't the Clippers like on pace for 55? <laughs> sure. <laughs> add, add LeBron to the, to the Clippers, right? Or, or the Houston Rockets, right? Those are the types right. of teams that, that's the caliber of team that those Bulls were without Michael. Like completely without him. So, yeah, the, there's never been an NBA athlete that was looked at less critically than Michael Jordan in terms Mm -hmm. of you have to either blindly embrace and and bend the knee and and be a complete sycophant for him, or else you're a total hater, right? Yeah. I would've, yeah. And Michael, to his credit, has always controlled much of the narrative, right? He's had his own media members. He's had, whether it's in, in print or on TV, He's always had such a, a marketing presence, presence with with Nike, with Gatorade, with with all of his endeavors that his his game has never really been looked at with with a critical eye, right? Because yeah. it's such an easy story to tell, right? It's it's six titles, it's it's the game winner over over Brian Russell. There are all these very fairytale story elements to it that I think, in the context of it, the people who lose the most is a A really, really, really good team that, like, if if he's not the greatest, he's right up there. But again, he was that level player joining an already 55 win team the year before he came back, you know? So that's, yeah, that just rubs me the wrong way.
0: And, like, another way to put that is that they built a 55 win team around Michael, right? Like that, right. that's, that's another way to look at it. But at the end of the day, that is still an immensely talented and frankly, ahead of its time team. Like that, <clears throat> if not for Shaq coming along, if not for Duncan coming along, uh, or even Hakeem, right? Uh, they, they probably kickstart the entire evolution into small ball. Right, like that, I, th- I think in some ways they did. I don't
1: think it's like a, a linear thing where it's like, oh, we're here now. I think that, like it started becoming more and more blended, mm-hmm. right? Where and it certainly dispelled the notion that you had to build your team around a dominant big man. Yeah. Nobody had really done that before and won titles. Uh, well, I suppose the, the Pistons did, right? Uh, and you can make an argument that the Pistons are kind of victims of of this idea because Bill Lambeer
0: was shooting threes Hey, anyway, we can go down, but yes, and, uh, no one's won the story. I'm not giving Bill Lambeer any credit ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is not something sure. that is going to happen on the show. I- I'm trying, I'm trying to give Chuck Daly some credit. I always like, like me some Chuck Daly. Yeah. Yeah, me too. He left Isaiah off that team, which I'm, which I fully support. Um, <laughs> I, the other thing that I wish they would have kind of got into a little bit more, and I promise we're going to praise this thing here in a second and we'll wrap up on praise, but I really wish we got more into the Phil Michael relationship. I really Mm -hmm. wish, like, Mm -hmm. one of the more interesting things to me in the history of the NBA was Michael being one of the most dominant offensive weapons in the history of the sport, knowing that he is that good, knowing and, and feeling as if the only way to win is going to be through him, right? Relinquishing some of the creative abilities upon Phil's arrival. And I want to know, like, cause it's not like if, if Phil asked Kobe, if Phil asked Shaq to do stuff, he had the resume to say, no, you guys got to listen to me. Right. By the time he coached the Lakers, he already had those six championships, but when he showed up to uh, coach the bulls, like he had a relationship with some of those guys, uh, from, from, from being an assistant and all that. And that was interesting to kind of dip into. But he didn't quite have the, the cachet to be able to say, no, this is how we're going to play. And then have everybody just accept it because he had the, the resume that he would eventually build. And I would have loved to learn more about, you know, the, the, I'm sure, slow build, slow burn, gradual dip into... Okay, I'm going to trust Phil now from Michael's standpoint. Like that, that I, I really wish we would have dipped into that. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, and again, I've really, I've re- I realized that I'm, I've, I sound like the anti player empowerment guy. I'm really not that. But, you know, in an era where you have all of these guys choosing their head coaches, choosing the playing style, choosing their teammates, choosing the rotations to a certain extent as well. The idea that Michael Jordan, the guy that all of these guys consider the GOAT, is is coachable as well, right? I would have loved to to hear him explain how, w- the math that went into him understanding, hey, if we're going to win, if we're going to reach the uh, optimal level that this team is capable of reaching, we actually should probably listen a little bit to this kook who is burning incense in practice. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, what was your favorite part of it though? Was it just the nostalgia and the, the, you know, getting to watch quote unquote sports with everybody on Twitter again for the first time in a while? Uh, that was fun. I liked that it was uncensored. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, you yeah. had former NBA players <laughs>
1: talking shit the Larry, they thing. actually talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like of all the things that we hold the line on, like that's something that, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. They, they, they let them just talk like like uh, former NBA players.
0: I uh I really want to hear I want to know what Kenny Lattimore song got Michael <laughs> to bob his head like
1: that. <laughs> yeah. That was very also like I know I'm on camera type.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh because all right, I I I might have a problem, but I went through so Kenny Lattimore released the album Kenny Lattimore that year, May of that yeah. year. And um I went through the the catalog of the songs on there and there aren't quite like the, the toe tappers in that one that, that had Michael like legitimately really going, you know, uh, that, that struck me as interesting. My favorite aspect of it though. Uh, I just, I'm really glad Jerry Reinsdorf comes off as a villain. Like I, I'm really happy that they held his feet to the fire And said, and forced him to make the admission that no, uh, keeping a team that was coming off of a three-peat and had three-peated twice in the last eight years, uh, no, it wasn't financially feasible to keep those guys together. Like that, that to me, if Mm -hmm. I was a Chicago Bulls fan, I would, I don't know if I could root for them ever again, quite frankly. Like you just, like that is the all-time rule that you do not break that's a thing that like Mark Cuban messed up on too right mm-hmm. where where he had a team that was coming off a championship win and somehow screwed that up as well and that's something that you know I have a couple uh, Mavericks fans and that's something they have never uh forgiven him for forgiven him for uh and and you know for Chicago Bulls fans like it was it was legitimately sad they're they're there at this parade and you have all these people Channing, one more year, one more year, and and you know, knowing that that's not how that was actually going to play out, and the entire reason for that is because Jerry Krause didn't think Scottie Pippen would be worth the money. After Scottie Pippen was underpaid for an entire freaking decade, I would have been livid. I don't know. Yeah. I'm livid thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hot. Like this, that was that. Like that's and and also just as a sports fan not getting the full conclusion to that story that the, let them lose it on the court. Yeah. Let them lose it on the court. Let somebody beat Jordan.
1: Exactly. And and those bulls. Yeah. No, that, you know, they're in what year 22 of that
0: rebuild now. (laughs) Yeah. Those it was so smart to leave it like yeah. the Bulls launched their rebuild. And they didn't even have to do like they've been rebuilding ever since. Everybody yeah, watching yeah. it. it yeah, was like everyone knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really smart. By the way, the Kenny Lattimore song
1: he tweeted is a song called Days Like This. Okay. So check that out when you
0: all right. I'll, I'll have to. Yeah.
1: No, that, it was both Reinsdorf and Krauss, who obviously isn't here to speak for himself. It's one of the the great uh examples of hubris in in sports history really like that's team you let them play it out you let them run it until they can't do it anymore that that comes along that's a once in a lifetime team for a franchise right and yeah. especially if you're if you're not a team like the lakers that attracts multiple superstars over generations you know if you're a team like the bulls like what were the bulls before who's aside from jordan and pippen who is the third best bowl of all
0: time or the best bowl of all time outside of that era. I guess it's Rose for like that one season. Maybe artist Gilmore huh? has
1: some artist Gilmore has some, yeah. some uh, saying that too, but
0: it ain't, it ain't like there's some rich history there of, of great talent. Oh, that's I mean, what... and out of there. That's what Michael said. Like they, this was a shit team when I showed up and, and that's not an exaggeration. They were, they were bad, man. Yeah. And,
1: and he was the main, main reason they went from that to becoming the, the dynasty that they were, how you can be so full of yourself as a person who's never going to score point, never going to grab a rebound and just thinking, oh, well, we will just replicate this. These guys are getting older and, you know, better to end it too soon rather than too late. Well, no, not when, it's, not when no. you're talking all-time legend. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it was just absurd. Uh, if I was a the director there and he said something along those lines, right, better to, to, to go out on top. I'm like, no, like, that's, not a, that's not how sports work. This isn't like because Danny Ainge, right. Made the move to trade away the big three, you know, when it looked like they were on the the downslope. Right. And he Mm -hmm. could have kept Paul Pierce around and he could have let Paul Pierce retire a Celtic. Right. And instead we got, you know, those moments of him being, uh, was he a clipper at one point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he, we just, we got a, a kind of sad end to, to Paul Pierce's career. And, you know in a league that is so superstar driven that that goes a long way to define what future superstars are going to feel about your franchise and mm-hmm. like you just talked about a second ago who's the second best or the third best player in Chicago Bulls history and it's a Derrick Rose that was on his rookie contract right they uh they have not acquired anybody who You know, they've drafted some guys like Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is probably the answer um, Mm -hmm. to that, to that, to that question, but they drafted him, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Luol Deng drafted him, drafted Joe Kim Noah, drafted Derrick Rose, but they haven't made a superstar acquisition. And Chicago is a monster market. It's the third biggest market in the NBA. Uh, it has this rich history of Michael Jordan having played there, this really cool city and really cool basketball culture uh, that surrounds Chicago. And nobody wants a piece of it. I think it has a lot to do with the, with the way that the Jerry wine Reinstorf uh, did Jordan and did Pippen at the end of that run. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the locked on Lakers podcast. I'm sure we're going to continue to get some news trickling in about, you know, not just, teams getting back into the practice facility, but I'm kind of interested, like who's look good. <laughs> like, like, oh, I, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get those like off season, like dang, Alex Cruz has spent the whole hiatus shooting three pointers. This is incredible. Like, <laughs> like we're going to find out Rajon Rondo is like, hasn't missed a shot in a month. Like it's going <laughs> to have
1: Josh Williams. Who's the Lakers phenomenal videographer like flying a drone camera in the <laughs> ucla training center right yeah. like, just getting footage i'm a dm josh say hey josh get us some drone footage i know i know you guys got a drone somewhere in that you know state-of-the-art facility get us some practice footage you'll, you'll get a lot of clicks on that i'll, Dude, I'll see what i can do
0: <laughs> 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 honestly if if one of these teams was just to live stream guys shooting through like shooting three pointers yes Yes. <laughs> we would all just soak that stuff up. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. We're probably going to, you know, like I said, if we get any news, we'll talk about that. But we'll dip back into the uh, hiatus content that we've been kind of rolling with to get us through all this. Exciting, though. It's 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 undoubtedly exciting uh, to see the, the progress that, that uh, the states, these teams, the leagues are making towards... Uh, potentially getting back. It's, so long as they do it safely, that's all I really care about. And uh, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about actual basketball here. Um, you know, in the next couple of months. Have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's uh, head on over to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on to get ten bucks off your order. Uh, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.